good afternoon and welcome to the Psych Tapes. This is your host, Seth. Sorry I haven't been making these as fast as I thought I would. Life got really busy. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the influence of demons um, in mental health. And this is a really controversial topic, so I'm going to do my best to be as... Um, just share my perspective and my experience um, as objectively as possible. Um, so if you just want to buckle in and, and join me for this ride. Um, I think ultimately this is a question of worldview. Um, there's people within the church who say that mental health, depression, schizophrenia especially, um, hallucinations, all of that is directly related to demons every single time. Um, and then there's people in the science world who don't believe in spirits or anything like that. And so we, it's, it's a question of worldview and, and how much influence does Satan really have on individuals in the world. Um, and in a nutshell, um, what I believe um, is that the world and creation is at war. Um, it's torn between two forces, um, those of God and his angels and those of Satan and his demons. And um, I think ultimately it's, it's a very one-sided fight um, where Satan is incredibly overpowered, incredibly outnumbered. Um, but for the moment, Christian remains at war until Christ returns to redeem it and, and bring um, the, the cycle of war and chaos and destruction to an end. Um, and so at the moment, the way that the world functions, in my opinion, um, and I think the Bible supports this, is that um, God is sovereign over all, but has limited himself um, to follow the certain rules within creation. And so he allows the continued existence of Satan um, and, and responds to evil and, and chaos, constantly working to make it good, um, especially for those that love him. Um, so that's like my worldview in a nutshell. It's definitely more complicated than that and really hard to explain. And that would take an hour long episode of its own. And we're trying to avoid that right now. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of where I sit. Um, I personally want to just throw a disclaimer. I think it's really dangerous to assume that every um, mental health issue, every disorder, every psychiatric illness is related to demons in some form. I think that's dangerous and reductive. Um, and I think it kind of goes against some very hard science. Um, and I, I believe science and God go hand in hand. And um, where science contradicts God, I think we don't understand science well enough yet. But... Um, I don't know, I just think we want to be careful and not make assumptions about anything. Um, I believe that the spiritual forces um, of both good and evil work within the laws of nature. Um, we see this in the Bible, especially if, as you track miracles and biblical demon possessions. Um, when Jesus turned water into wine, um, I believe that was a molecular change um, from H2O into whatever molecule wine is. Um, and yes, it transcended the rules, but then it kind of melted back into the rules where the wine remained wine. It remained in its molecular state. It was, it stayed a liquid, it, all of that. Um, I think more relevant to this discussion are miraculous healings. Um, when Jesus came and when his disciples came and they would heal someone, um, say the, the lame man who couldn't walk. Um, we don't really know whether it was a spinal issue or whether it was a leg issue or a nerve issue or any of that, but I don't believe he was given a new spine. I believe his spine was reordered and healed so that it matched what it was supposed to be originally. Um, and so I would say that um, all miracles 
work within the laws of nature, on some level they transcend it and then kind of fall back in um, to where they're supposed to be. Um, I also think that if you look at demonic possessions in the Bible, a lot of them mimic what we now know are um, psychiatric disorders. Um, in Luke 9, 37 through 43, Jesus um, arrives at this town and he casts a demon out of a boy um, that his disciples weren't able to cast out earlier. And the demons, and dis- the description of the possession lines up very closely with that of ep- epilepsy, with that of foaming at the mouth and seizures and falling down and being overtaken. Um, and so this case of epilepsy in the Bible was in fact a demonic possession. Um, that does not mean it's it's not pers- it's not it's descriptive, not prescriptive. So that means that um, not every case of epilepsy is a demonic possession. Um, I have some wonderful friends who love the Lord, and I believe are um, filled with the Spirit and not within with the enemy, um, who also have epilepsy. Um, that being said, are some cases of epilepsy and seizures and things like that demonic related potentially. Um, because I believe that spiritual forces work within the laws of nature, I think that medical intervention may still be a viable option. Um, just because it, someone is touched by Satan and um, is afflicted with some sort of disease or illness or um, psychiatric problem does not mean that they're possessed. Um, I want to draw the distinction between possession and just under the influence of evil. Um, because when someone is under the influence of evil, they're not being actively possessed. And so I think um, because that influence will follow um, the laws of nature and, and biology and neurobiology, I think medication and psychotherapy and um, different medical interventions are still a viable option. Um, when someone is actively possessed, I think your options become much more limited. And that's that's where the controversy lies. Um, I do want to say... Um, nothing should ever be assumed. We can't look at someone who's schizophrenic and say, oh, they're just possessed, you know? We don't want to look at someone who's hallucinating or who's bipolar and is in the middle of a psychotic break and, and say that they're possessed. You know, there could be a lot of different causes for it. Psychosis is caused by um, different designer drugs. Um, it's caused, it can be caused by injuries. It, you know, it's, it's a very complicated issue and I plan to do an episode just on psychosis sometime in the future. Um, but for now, we'll just leave it at, it's complicated. Um, and yes, it could be caused by a possession. Um, we don't know. Um, and so I think as believers, um, and if you're a believer listening to this, then um, this part's for you. I think prayer should always be our first course of action and when we approach any issue, um, whether it's psychiatric or not. But it, in, in the realm of psychiatry um, and in the realm of my work, I... Um, when I start to work with patients and seek interventions and do things like that, my first step is always to pray. And I work in a secular setting, so I don't really pray with my patients um, because that is not allowed and a little unethical. Um, but I pray for them, um, both in my mind and, and, and at home. And um, I spend a lot of time in prayer over these things. And I think that should always be our first step, whether we suspect a demonic possession or not. Um, if there is a demonic possession or some influence of some sort, I think prayer is our most powerful weapon. Well, it's always our most powerful weapon, but um, in that case, it's one of our only um, weapons to work in that case. Um, but I also want to say that prayer evokes action. Um, one cannot simply try to pray a psychiatric illness away. We've seen a lot of harm with that, and with the church has handled psychiatry up to this point and continues to in some circles. 
Um, you can't just pray it away. You know, I've had patients who were psychotic. Um, I'm thinking of one patient in particular who was psychotic and her parents were very, very religious. Um, I believe they were Catholic um, and they refused to put her on um, psychotropic medication um, because they wanted to pray for her some more and see if God would just heal her. And and while I respected their fervency and their, their um, just commitment to it, I also was... I, I got a little angry um, because with psychosis, the only form of treatment is medication and the odds. Um, and yes, God could heal her. It is very possible, but I believe prayer evokes action. And so in, in, as we pray, we have to start to walk in faith. Prayer is not just sitting, it's walking, it's moving, it's going. Um, and, and, you know, praying for this girl to be healed it might mean that um, medication is the answer to her prayer. Um, and we don't know that. Um, and I don't know their situation and I don't want to completely condemn them because maybe they had a word from the Lord that said, don't put her on meds. I don't know. But I know that as long as I saw her, she did not get better. Um, she stayed the same, um, tormented by psychotic hallucinations, um, because we weren't allowed to help her because her parents wouldn't allow us. Um, so you can't pray with mental illness. Um, I believe that firmly. I think we have to take actions, you know, and, and in the case of depression and anxiety and things like that, we can pray and we can pray for peace and we can pray for healing. And, and I, some of that healing might come through counseling and it might come through medication. And, and that could just be the way the Lord answers prayer because I believe he answers prayers in a lot of ways. Um, like I said before, science and God are not in opposition. They work together and God can use science to answer a prayer. Um, First Kings 19, um, Elijah is, he's just done battle with the priests of Baal and he's like slaughtered them. And then Jezebel, this, she, she's a rough girl. Um, I was like, I'm gonna kill you. And he goes running into the wilderness and he lays down underneath a tree and he just says, God, kill me. You know, I'm done for, I'm done. Um, and I think that it's fair to assume that Elijah's in the midst of some pretty serious spiritual warfare. You know, he just had this awesome standoff and showdown with the priests of Baal and, and the Lord came through and he won. Um, and I don't believe that that spiritual battle ended. I think it followed him into the wilderness and that caused him to despair. And God didn't perform some miraculous change of Elijah's um, momentary depression. He gave him some food and he put him to sleep. Um, he used physical interventions. And Elijah woke up after his little snack and nap and, you know, he felt a lot better and he went off and did the stuff that Elijah does, you know, um, and he served the Lord and he continued to fight the good fight. Um, and so I think God answers prayers very physically sometimes. Um, I want to share two stories um, from my experience and hopefully we'll tie all this together because I feel a little scattered right now and I'm really sorry about that. Um, the first um, is from my experience on, um, on well, they're both from my experience um, on locked inpatient psychiatric units. I work on two. One of them is for children ages 5 through 17, and one of them is for adults. I think up through age 65 after that, they go to geriatric. I'm not totally sure. Um, the first is from my time on child. Um, we had this patient come in, and I remember I was really excited to meet him because he was bipolar. Um, he was manic, um, meaning very high energy, very elevated mood, very grandiose, um, and manic to the point of psychosis where he was actively hallucinating um, while also having all this energy. The, the notes for his admission said that he was doing cartwheels in the emergency department. Um, and I was super excited, you know? 
And I remember I walked in and I sit down with this patient um, and he's on one-on-one observation. So I'm helping observe him and um, making sure he's safe and he's okay. And, and he's all over the place. You know, he thought he was King David. He was um, very religious delusional. Um, he thought he was Jesus at one point and he was logical. I told him he wasn't and why. And he was like, okay, I accept that, you know. Um, but he was really not grounded, really out there, um, completely psychotic even to the point of catatonia. Um, and I had this really scary moment where I was sitting and he was just kind of, you know, wandering around his room as um, psychotic patients do. And he stops and he looks at me and he's like, I know you. And I was like, what? And he was like, he called me. Um, he called me Elroy, um, which is a name of God that I have tattooed on my knee. Um, and he did this while staring directly at my knee. Um, and I'm wearing pants without any ropes in them, and he's never met me before. So he had no way of knowing what tattoo was on my knee, but he knew. Um, he knew something about me he shouldn't have known. Um, and in that moment, I felt this like chill just go through my entire body. Um, and I realized that he was quite likely possessed. Um, it wasn't just psychiatric, it was spiritual. Um, later, he went on to attempt to eat the book of Isaiah out of his Bible. Um, he dipped it in water, you know, all that yummy good fiber. Um, <laughs> so he was all over the place and, and it scared me and I wanted to run away. That was my first instinct was run. And I said, no, I'm not going to run. Um, I know who sent me. God sent me and he's with me and he's before me. He's all around me. Um, and, and so I'm still safe. Um, and Satan doesn't want me here and he's maybe trying to scare me and I will refuse. I may feel fear, but I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to exist in a state of fear. Um, I continue to act forward and walk in courage. Um, and that was just straight up the Lord because that was not in my own power. And I stayed and I sat there and we talked and we talked. And um, about a week later, um, homeboy's still wandering around doing his thing, being a little wild, um, still very delusional, still psychotic. And um, he did, like didn't, he slept a couple hours a night normally. And he would just, all this energy, it's mania. That's bipolar mania. Um, later on in my episode of bipolar, I'll hopefully explain that a little bit better. Um, and in more depth, but he just never slept. Um, but he was also catatonic, um, and catatonia is just this like collection of symptoms. That's also for another episode. But one of the symptoms that he had was he would copy you. So I could tap a rhythm like on my chest and he would try to tap the rhythm, the same rhythm, or I'd like make a funny face and he'd make the face back. Um, and sometimes if you would speak, he would speak the same words back and stuff like that. Um, kind of fun. We'd like play all these little games where I would like to start tapping like, you know, really hard rhythms and he would try to do it and he'd mess up and he thought it was funny and um, things like that. And so I, he he's, was in his room and he was like, my brain is tired. And I was like, buddy, why don't you take a nap? And he was like, uh, I don't know. And then he like lay down and he's like tossing around in his bed because he has all this energy. He's manic. And so um, I lay down in the other bed. There were two beds in his room um, <laughs> and facing him and I pretended to be asleep. And of course, he looked at me and he pretended he was asleep. And then he fell asleep. Um, that was like my peak as like a psych worker, you know? Got him to sleep finally. And he slept for like four hours. And I sat in his room because he was still on observation. Um, and I sat across from him while he was sleeping. And that was the only time that I got to pray over him. Um, and, you know, it's about the same as praying for him. But I was with him in the moment. And I had my, my mask on because of COVID. And, you know, I'm just very quietly, really just mouthing words, just praying. Um, and I just prayed that the Lord would cast out whatever was in, was, was going on in him because I was fully convinced he was possessed. A couple of my coworkers also thought he was possessed. Um, 
and I, I prayed for him and over him and then he woke up and we moved on with our day um and I can't tell you if that was the moment that was the only moment that I was aware of that anything could have changed but I noticed um within within a week um his eyes had changed you know there was something it's hard to explain how someone's eyes look you know um but there was an intensity that was missing there was um this he had this way of like looking through you before and that like disappeared and and his symptoms got a lot better um and I'm not going to say that I like perform an exorcism or cast a demon out of him or anything, but um, I have to believe in the power of prayer and I have to believe that prayer worked and all the prayers that I prayed for him when I was home um, worked as well. Um, but guess what? He was still psychotic. Um, he got better. You know, his motor skills improved, his memory improved, um, his ability to speak improved, all of that. But he was still psychotic until we found the right set of meds um, and then he made a full recovery. Um, which was also unexpected even considering the medication. We were afraid that he would be um, psychotic at least a little bit for a very long time. Um, and it was this huge just work of the Lord that he recovered fully anyway, but um, even after the demonic presence was removed, he was still psychotic, you know? And so to assume that he was just possessed, which I did for a little bit, was just so wrong and so short-sighted. Um, because there was so much going on, you know? He was psychotic and he was under the influence of some some evil spirit of some sort, you know? Um, but he was both. And so praying for him really helped, but it didn't, it didn't solve it because part of the answer to that prayer for healing was in that medication. Um, my second story is um, a little bit shorter and much more recent. Um, I started on the adult psychiatric unit um, last week. So pretty short, um, not been there super long, but my first day I come in and we had this patient on and he, um, he would tell you he was possessed, you know? Um, and he had, he had a name for his demon that was weirdly similar to Lucifer and there was just a lot going on. Um, and he was the sweetest kid, a little limited, a little out there, um, but he was super sweet. And then he would start to like twitch a little bit like in his neck um, and he'd start like shaking. And then it would just, after that, he would just go berserk, you know, and he would um, hit things and hurt people. And I never saw him quite go berserk. I was able to talk him down a few times that day, but um, everybody on the ward thought he was possessed. And um, on the adult ward, pretty much everyone who works there, regardless of their religious beliefs, believe in demons or spirits of some sort, because we just see it so much. Um, and the guy, I got there that morning, and the guy who was leaving from night shift had been there all night. Um, and he was telling us what happened last night because this kid was already in the restraint chair. You know, he was strapped down so he couldn't hurt himself or anybody else um, when I got there at, you know, 6.45 in the morning. Um, and, he's, and, and this night shift worker said at 4 a.m., um, homeboy walks out of his room and stands in the hallway, just stands there. And then he said um, the entire hallway lost power all of the lights went off, it was pitch black. And then all of the lights in that one patient's room came on and sort of like flashing off and on and like flickering. Um, and then homeboy starts twitching and then he starts just punching the floor and trying to punch people. And he broke the fire extinguisher off the wall and they had to restrain him and there was a whole lot. Um, and I really do believe that that kid was under um, some sort of demonic oppression. Um, but also I saw medications work for him you know um, we put him on Zyprexa and um, it calmed him down Thorazine calmed him down all of those different things they they helped him become more centered you know um, they helped with the hallucinations they helped with the aggression and the violence um, and yeah I prayed for him 
you know, I prayed for him a lot because there were, there were several moments during the day when I walk into his room, I'm like doing safety checks, you know, I walk in, he looks at me and he's like already twitching a little bit. And I'm like, the amount of adrenaline I burned through that day was wild. Cause I was like, what's he going to do to me? <laughs> um, but it was, it was kind of exciting, you know? Um, and, and I would just kind of sit there and, and just try to pray for him to the best of my ability without actually like verbally praying for him. Because once again, ethics and um, consents and legality and all of that. Um, and, and was able to talk him down and calm him down. And, and, and I firmly, firmly believe that some of that was due to prayer. Um, that he didn't have an outburst when I was there. Um, at least that I saw. I know he had one after I left that day. Um, but at least while I was there, we were able to calm him down. Um, so this is stuff I've seen. This is stuff I've thought about a lot. And, um, these are real people. Um, and maybe they're oppressed, maybe they're not. Um, as believers, I want to say that there is no reason to be afraid. Um, not really, um, because our God is so much bigger than demons and Satan, and he's so much more powerful than all of that. Um, and scripture says he goes with us, he goes before us and around us, and um, he's just, our God is greater, you know? Um, He's on our side and he's fighting for us. You may feel fear, and that is different than the state of being afraid, you know? We don't let it rule us. Um, and so when we get fear out of the way, we're able to look with eyes of compassion and say that these are people who are afflicted. They're struggling whether they're possessed or not. They are having these horrifying hallucinations or just just in pain, you know? Um, and so I think prayer should always be our first stop, you know? It should be our first course of action. It's plan A, you know? Um, but then we have to be open to hear how the Lord wants us to help answer those prayers, you know? And he might just say, sit and pray. And he might tell us that we need to go counsel a person or we need to put them on a medication or, you know, things like that. And so um, pray, 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 but also act. Don't just sit there. We can't pray this stuff away. I really believe that. I believe that the Lord, he's a God of action. And, and in Matthew, he calls us to go. You know, he gives us the great commission. We're sent to go, you know, and I think prayer is the same way. We pray and then we go. You know, prayer is a walk. It's not a sit. It's a walk. Um, it's a run sometimes. And so just remember that these people are hurting um, regardless of what force is upon them or isn't. You know, they're still human and they're still deserving of human decency and of love and care and compassion. Um, so I just encourage you when you run into this or when you struggle with this question, you know, don't wrestle in it alone. Find someone who's wise and um, who knows something about this, who you can talk to and just kind of get a, a second opinion on. Um, don't do it alone, but also don't hesitate to give care and compassion and love in a safe and ethical way, um, regardless of what you suspect might be going on underneath the surface. Um, never make an assumption. Never assume that it's all one thing or all another thing, you know? Um, I think the better assumption to make is that they're not possessed um, and continue to pray even as if they are. Um, because, you know, we've seen in the Bible, God, God is... Lord over science, um, and as such, he can transcend science in moments when he wants to, um, but will oftentimes continue to work inside its realm. 
Um, and so whether someone is possessed or psychotic or psychotic because they're possessed or possessed and psychotic, you know, pray for them, care for them, do everything you can. Um, we don't want to step away at the end of the day and someone not be better because we didn't do the best we could, you know, continue to fight the good fight. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. That's about all I have today. This is going to be probably one of my only super religious episodes. Um, I would try and, yeah, um, definitely more religious than most of my episodes will be. Um, but thanks for sticking with me to the end. Um, and I hope this helped you. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, um, or just would like to share an opinion with me, um, or suggest a topic, um, you can message me on Instagram, um, or send any emails to sethmhud, S-E-T-H-M-H-U-D-D at gmail.com. Um, and I'll get back to you as fast as I can. Thanks so much for listening.